Good morning and welcome to Faith Church of Linden. We're not at our location. Um, I welcome you from the Pat's home this morning Well, because COVID-19 spike, it actually came and kind of swept through our home a little bit, but in a very mild way and we're thankful for that. I've asked you to pray for our family. Um, my oldest son, Paul, uh, tested positive for COVID this week and he's doing really well. None of us else tested positive, kind of feeling some colds and all of that, but otherwise doing really good. I do know that for a lot of people in this world and in this area, it's come through and it has hit them really badly or in a very difficult way. And so we thank God for his protection. Um, good morning. And this is going to be a little bit of a different kind of service. And it's going to be, I'm going to share some announcements. I'm going to pray our pastoral prayer, and I'm going to share the word with you. A few things to let you know of. If you are watching on the YouTube live, you can actually chat and send a message, and I actually can see it because I have a monitor here. And so I, I'm not going to say that I'm going to say hi necessarily, but it's your way of saying amen to a point or being an encouragement. I, I miss being in person with you at the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. So a few things to let you know of. Because of the spike in our area, as I've already mentioned, of COVID-19 in this general area, as well as I think we've had confirmed four cases in our church just this week, all of which are, by God's grace, very mild cases. But we um, took the services from being on location and we're just here this morning. A few things I just want to let you know about. So if, if we were going to meet, at least our plans originally were going to be, we'd have two services this morning, and then we were going to have a seniors' dinner. That has been postponed to another time, and I look forward to sharing with, the pastors look forward to being with the senior citizens of our church. Share with them our vision and our appreciation and our need for them in our congregation to just be prayer warriors, to bring wisdom and love and devotion to Christ. So that's happening at another time. There is, There was supposed to be in this house this past Friday, um, we were going to have a getting to know faith, and a lot of you signed up, and I hope we can do that soon. We're not sure when that's going to be, but that didn't happen. And just to let you know, we will not have a midweek service this week, this Wednesday, and then neither will we have, this This grieves me, but we're going we're gonna to take, because of this COVID, we're going to take a a break from this. We will not have our normal Ebenezer service, which takes place the two days before Thanksgiving, that Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. And we hope to do some kind of Ebenezer slash Christmas service in December. And as one person reached out to me and says, even if we have to do this in the new year, we need to have a time of giving thanks to God when we can all get back together. And I I hope and plan we plan to do that. Um, Lord willing, we will be gathering together soon. We're taking this at a week-by-week -week basis, being online, and so stay tuned. And if you're new to Faith Church of Linden, welcome. You can find us at faithlinden.org. And we normally meet on Sundays at 9 and 11, Wednesdays at 645 for all ages. And I hope that this morning will be an encouragement to you, even though we're not able to be together. So... A couple things that I want to tell you before I go into prayer and then just dive into the Word. One is, uh, I want to give you five prayer requests that I'd ask you. If you're a member 
or an attender of Faith Church of Linden is your home, would you pray for these five things for me, for the leadership of this church, and for the entire congregation? Five things, and they, they really can be summed up in five words, but I'm going to give them to you. One, would you pray that God would continue to give us a unity in how we approach and respond to this COVID season? It requires humility of all of us. It requires putting others first. It requires many ideas come to the equation. I just pray that God would just continue to grant us unity. So unity is number one. Number two, that God would give us spiritual and physical protection, what I would say from invisible enemies. The invisible enemies of this virus, but also even more importantly, the spiritual enemies of Satan and sin that would just come and attack our hearts and choke our love for him or obedience or devotion and cause our hearts to go towards other things. So would you pray for, number one, unity, and then protection? And three, would you pray that God would give us discernment? So I guess you'd say wisdom. Would you pray that God would give us wisdom and how to handle these times? Um, And so we need that. James tells us to ask for wisdom and faith. Will you do that? And fourth, would you pray that God would help us as a church to be a testimony? That we would, with our words, with our actions, with all that we do, we'd have a testimony as we respond to um, the virus, as we respond to things going on in our culture, in our government, with laws and executive orders, and even just the elections, that we would shine as a light Philippians 2, Paul says, one of the ways we do that is we guard our tongues, and we are not grumblers, and we're not complainers. So would you pray that we would be grateful, and we would be great in our testimony? So that's four testimony. And the last, you pray that God would give us as a church, not just a pastor or pastors or the leadership, but you, all of us, a courageous zeal during this pandemic. We would have a courageous zeal for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not a time in which everything is set aside and it's a slowdown from God doing a work. But let's have zeal and a prayerful pursuit of God working in our midst through and in this pandemic. So would you pray for those unity, protection, wisdom, testimony, and zeal. So normally we sing a few songs. And at the end of those songs, I or one of the pastors or one of the leaders in our church will get up and we will pray. Now, this is pretty interesting. I don't know if you hear or you will hear there's thunder going on. You don't usually don't get thunder in, in Thanksgiving time or in November in Michigan, but this is a unique year. So let me pray. I'm going to do a pastoral prayer and then we're going to dive into Psalm chapter 3. So would you join me in praying? Father in heaven, I do pray that you would help Faith Church of Linden. You would help me as their pastor, as one of their pastors, and Pastor Mike, and Pastor Jay, and be with our deacons and their wives, be with pastor's wives, be with the members, all of them, be with their children. I pray that you'd be with those that attend and consider Faith Church their home, those that are even in the process of seeking to find a church home. God, I pray that you would so help us and work in us, and I pray for a spiritual unity 
to guard and protect us. You are glorified when we are unified because we humble ourselves and we put others' interests before ourselves. Oh God, please help us. And God, I pray that you would please give us protection. I do pray for all of us that you would protect us physically. There are some that are, at least from statistical standpoints, much more vulnerable to this virus. I pray that you would protect them, but all of us. And I pray that the greatest need that we see and understand would be that we have a need to know and love and trust you. And our biggest threat is not the virus, but it is sin in our hearts. It is being casual about sin. Forgive us of our sins. For, forgive us for not loving you with all our heart. Forgive us for our lack of devotion. Forgive us for our words that are so often uncontrolled. They're selfish. They're proud. They're arrogant. They're complaining. They're not grateful. God, I pray that our words would praise you. I pray that our words would show glory to you. God, I pray that you would also give us incredible wisdom. Give families wisdom and decisions whether to come or to stay quarantined. I, I pray that you would give wisdom for the church leaders in regards to meetings. I pray, that, God, that you would just give help to us in discernment and that it would be out of a deep love and a pursuit of your will. And God, I pray, pray, God, that you in your mercy, would give us a testimony. I pray that we'd shine as a light to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that the way we act and live and talk and think would demonstrate that you are central to our lives. I pray that you'd do that for everyone. God, I pray also, and lastly, that you'd give us a zeal. You'd give us a gospel zeal that would, in the midst of this, we would pray more. We would read the word more. We would seek to reach out and encourage others more. We would give more. We'd be sacrificial in all things. And it would come from a great spiritual zeal that you give us by your grace. Oh God, please grant us that. Oh God, I pray that you'd be with our friends all over today that are meeting in person. Bless them. Bless the churches around us. God, I pray that you'd bless our close friends who are gathering right now. And just God, keep them. Be with our friends in India. And be with our friends in Cameroon and in South America and North America. And I pray in Europe. God, be with all our missionaries. Give us a white hot zeal for your glory being spread to all of the peoples of the world. And I pray that you would give us that zeal for you to be praised here in this Michigan area. Oh God, I pray that if there is anyone here watching this either live or someday watching this stream that is not yet a believer, they would be saved. They would be born again to you and they would call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And if there are any here that are just really discouraged, I pray that you would lift the brokenhearted, the fearful, those that are feeling trouble coming after them wave after wave. God, would you please come and minister to them even now through this message. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory because of your steadfast love and faithfulness. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I can just imagine you all thundering in the congregation. Amen. Um, would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 3?
Psalm chapter 3. If you're new to faith, um, we are in the middle or in the beginning um, of a psalm series. We've already preached Psalm 1 and 2, and we're now to Psalm 3. We're going to look at that psalm for just a few minutes this morning. I encourage you, if, if it can be extremely distract, distracting to stay focused to a video screen. Some of you are experts, and I'm so thankful for how you've continued on, even though you have not been able to join us week by week. But I encourage you to have a paper Bible out. It will be much easier to follow along. I encourage you to get notes and a note sheet or a piece of paper to be able to write them down. I have four points, that the four stanzas that I see of this psalm. It'll be, allow you to later on reflect and meditate on psalms. Psalms are, are so necessary for our spiritual life. I want to ask you this morning, what type of burdens are you facing right now? What are you carrying right now? And are they many? Are they many? Uh, it doesn't matter what age you are. Maybe, maybe little babies don't struggle with that, but it doesn't take long until you're a young child, and especially teenagers, where you feel burdens. You're overwhelmed. There are many, many, many. What pain has entered into your life? It might be COVID-related, or it might have nothing to do that with that. It might be financial, or relational, or it's spiritual, or just this weight of what may feel a depression just coming and crushing over you, and you're discouraged. What types of things in your life, what type of people that they're coming at you because they're people that are hurtful or circumstances that would cause you to fall on your face and hopefully on your knees and cry out to God. Do you feel the impact of sin in your life? You know, sin of sins of others that have hurt you? Or maybe even your own sin. The impact of trials and stress because of your own past decisions that were sinful and now you're feeling the consequences of that. The pains and afflictions and oppositions come in many, many ways. Well, look with me at Psalm chapter 3. It says here, A psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom his son. Eight verses. O Lord, how many are my foes! How many are rising against me? Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from, my holy, from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be upon your people. Amen. Before we jump into the psalm, there are two things that I'd like to, you to note. First of all, this is the first of the Psalms. Psalm 3 is the first of the Psalms. 
where there is a title under it. There's a title that came from at least way back in many of the Hebrew manuscripts, and it's the first of 14 historical titles in the life of David. It says it's from David, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. That's the first thing I want to just note to you. And secondly, there's the, the use of the word Selah. That's three times in this, and there's used about 70 times in the Psalms. We're not exactly sure what that means, but best guess is stop and reflect. Stop and meditate. Well, we do. no matter what, we do know that this Psalm is meant for us to stop and meditate, to grow with. These Psalms teach us how to pray, how to pray our emotions to God. So this morning, I just want to help you see what this psalm says by showing you in four groupings, four stanzas. They're divided up in two verses each. So one and two, three and four, five and six, and seven and eight. And if you're a note taker, and I recommend you just write these things down, you see these four things. We first see the enemies we face, or you could just type in enemies. And the second is the God we confess, or just God. And the third point, the peace we enjoy, the peace we enjoy, which could be peace or rest. And then the last is the salvation we expect. So the enemies we face, the God we confess, the peace we enjoy, and the salvation we expect. Let's begin. Number one, the enemies we face. Look at verses 1 and 2. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. And we just see Selah. So you see the threefold many, many, many many, three times. And what David is saying in this song that is to be eventually brought to Israel so that we would praise God and you be helped by this. He's saying, "I'm I, the enemies that we face are many and I am facing many, many, many trials. And I want you to hear this, brothers and sisters, from faith. In this life, like David, we will face enemies, trials, afflictions of many kinds. These enemies come, they come within us, they come from within, and they come from outside of us. And they all will seek to undermine our faith in God. You see them undermining his faith. He's saying, many are my foes, or that means enemies. Many are rising against me. Many are saying, and it's as though he's hearing these enemies saying, there's, there's no salvation for you. God has abandoned you. If God is a God of salvation, he's not your God of salvation. What's going on in this psalm? It's helpful to understand. And we are actually helped because the title on there says, When he fled from Absalom, his son. You see David, a man after God's own heart, a man who's in heaven now, a man that I'd love to meet someday, you probably too, we've all learned and grown from his life story as well as his psalms, was a man after his God's own heart and a great sinner. And you see what David, what's happening in this time, this is late in the life of David. He's the king. He's had the golden age of his kingdom and it go, has gone well. And then he finds out that his son Absalom 
has started to woo the hearts of the certain, I think it's the northern tribes, against David, and he leads a rebellion, and he's on the move to kill David and take the throne for himself. And so what David does, I mean, imagine this. Imagine, I mean, I can't imagine a grief greater than this, than something that relates to your children. In this case, your children, a child that wants you dead. And he's running from his son Absalom, and he escapes. He could have holed himself up in Jerusalem and probably been a refuge there, but that would have meant great destruction on the city of David. So he leaves, he runs, and he flees with his men. And at this time, he writes the story. But imagine this. This is not just innocent David here. Yes, Absalom is a sinner. Absalom is attacking him. But... David can't help but be thinking. I remember when Nathan the prophet told me, and we can read of it in 2 Samuel 10 through 12, David's sin against Bathsheba, his adultery, his murder of Bathsheba's wife, husband, Uriah. And David is thinking and remembering, man, I remember my wickedness. And Nathan the prophet told me that God forgave me, but there would be consequences, and the consequences would come upon my family. And he's, he's fleeing now from his son is thinking, here it's coming, here it's coming. How many are my foes? How many are they and they're coming? Of all these things, he's thinking, I could have been a better dad. I could have been a better dad. I've tried to appease my son far too long. His conscience is probably overwhelmed. And as he leaves, he hears some of Saul's, remember old King Saul? Saul's relatives saying, there, now you're getting it. For all the blood you shed, now you're comeuppance. Now you're getting it. He is feeling the pain of accusers attacking him. His foes are many upon many. Friends, we all face enemies, accusers, attackers. We face our own sin. So thankful for this psalm because this psalm doesn't come out of a perfect life that was written. It comes out of a sinner who runs, and he is what he is doing in these first two verses. He is lamenting. You need to get used to that word. I preached it about a year ago when we were looking at the book of Habakkuk. Lamenting is a crying out to God in a persistent way, often saying, "Why or how long or what are you doing, God?" And David does this. The psalm teaches us to do this. And what we find in this first stanza, as we ponder and reflect on this, I, I just want you to think in terms of what, what enemies, what pains, what afflictions, and what afflictors are in your life right now. I would say that the greatest afflictor of our lives is our own self and our own sin. In fact... We can't help but read this psalm and think of these verses with Jesus Christ at the center of it. It was what Jesus could have prayed in his life when he was approaching the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane and then going to the cross. He could have said, how many are my foes? How many are rising against me? His enemies were Satan. Sin was attacking him. People were denying him and betraying him and running from him. And he is going to the cross to save us from our sins. You see, the enemies that were putting Jesus on the cross are you and me. We were enemies of God. 
this, these first two verses of this lament, Kyrie of David, remind us that we live in a troubled world. 2020 is a perfect example and reminder of that, that we face enemies and trials and we need to cry out to God and acknowledge our pain, acknowledge our enemies, and acknowledge our need of help. So that's the first thing we see the enemies we face, but not only, I want you to see in verses 3 through 4, you see the God we confess? See the God we confess? Look at verses 3 and 4. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and lifter of my head. I cried to the Lord, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Oh, this is such a beautiful two verses for you to drink in. Talk about Psalm 1 meditation. Psalm 1, 3, 2 and 3 meditation. Memorize, meditate on these verses. But you, O Lord. See, do you see what he's doing in verses 1, two, one and 2? He is overwhelmed. How many, how many, how many. And then he stops, takes a deep breath in this psalm, and says, but you. Just you. There can be many enemies, but you. That's all it takes. Many enemies just need one God. You, O Lord. And then he lists some things. You're a shield about me, around me. You are my glory, and you are the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Friends, we must grow to know God like David knew God. More than this, we need to know this God personally like Jesus knew his Father and at the cross or in Gethsemane cried out to him for mercy to sustain him. God who was Jesus' shield. God the Father who was the shield and the glory and the lifter of his head and would raise him from the dead. And just like David and just like Jesus, you and I need these verses. The God that we confessed is, is right here. He says a lot in just a few verses. A lot that is worth meditating on. Do you hear the confession of David? He says he knew his God. You don't speak out of this type of way unless you've experienced him. And like Psalm 34, you had tasted and seen his goodness. And he says, oh, he is a shield about me. He is my glory and lifter of my head. Do you, do you feel like David today? What circumstances in your life right now has brought you and you say, many are my foes, many are my afflictions, many of my difficulties? What dreams have been taken away from you? What things, what, what hurtful things have been said to you and you just can't get them out of your mind? Or maybe people that have been there for you or should have been there for you, they're not there for you and you feel lonely or abandoned. Or maybe you, you, fear, you fear a medical report that's coming or has already been given to you. Or maybe you, you feel so lonely, you wish you were married. Maybe you feel your despair and you're broken in a wounded marriage. Maybe it's your job that's troubling and you think about Monday and going back to work, it's terrible. And what is David? David goes from anguish and loss as he flees his son. He flees the city. He flees 
And he doesn't know what his future is. He doesn't know if he's going to die. He doesn't know. He just remembers what God has promised to him. But his son has taken over the city of Jerusalem. And I'm reminded of what he said in Psalm, 1 Samuel 30. And that was a time when he was leading his band of men. He wasn't a king yet. And he came to the land of Ziklag where his family was staying. And he finds that his wives were kidnapped his children were kidnapped. They were taken away by Philistines, and he is devastated. So much so that his his band of brothers, his his protectors, the, the gang that went with him and were loyal to him were so distressed that they wanted to stone him. They were so discouraged. David, why did you allow this to happen? And it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, nine beautiful words, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And that's what David does in Psalm 3. He goes from many are my foes to strengthening himself in the Lord his God. Oh, I would, I would love for that to be true of me in my life. I need it. You need it. David is a reminder to say, strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. It means not being passive when we're discouraged or despondent or frustrated or angry or sick or sad. Instead, looking to Him and strengthening ourselves in the Lord our God. It means actively pursuing Him. It means you can only do that with a relationship that takes place day after day, growing to know the God of this book in a personal relationship with Him. We have a it means praying to him and seeking him. And do you see the four things? There's four things. I love what Ralph Davis says about this. This is the God that David saw. God was a shield and a protector. See that? He's a shield around me. That was a shield that would not just be when you're in combat and you put it on your arm. It was the type of shield that you go and you travel with and it guards you all around you. He's his protector, he says. Protector against the enemies. Protector about against accusations. He is my glory. What, is, what does that mean? I, th I think he's saying, he's like, God is my sufficiency. I, I want to find sufficiency. I want, I want glory in my significance as a family. My identity as a king. My identity as a father. Identity as a husband. My identity as a person. David, that's his glory. But he realized that all was stripped away from him. He's taken away. His, his fatherhood is in jeopardy. I mean, his son wants him dead. His kingship is in jeopardy. He couldn't rely on that as his glory. His, his marriages were probably all messed up because I had all these wives and all this situation. All these things are taking place. His guilty conscience is struggling with him. Where is he going to find glory? Where is he going to find help and sufficiency? He remembers... God is my sufficiency. God is my glory. Oh, all the things that we have in our lives that come at us, they are trying to allure us to say, find your glory in those things. Find your significance, your satisfaction. And David had had to realize, but God is my glory. He is my shield and protector. In fact, David would probably say that even this very thing of bringing me out out of the land because of my son's rebellion. God was shielding me, and even in the affliction, it was part of my shield because God was chastening me. He was disciplining me, 
me. He was loving me. We find here David wholeheartedly looking to Jesus or looking to God. The application for us would be look to Jesus the way David looked to God. You see, in this, he also says, he is the lifter of my head. He is my restorer. He is the one who comes and protects me and lifts up my head. This is the idea of, I needed my soul restored. Are you in that place where you need a protector, a restorer? You need somebody to come and be your sufficiency and someone that will hear your prayers. David says, he's so accessible. He's there for me. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me. That's what we find in the second stanza. He goes from the enemies that we face to the God he confessed. And oh, what difference it makes. Oh, I just, I want to send you on a, a th th your thoughts on this this week as you, you ponder these two verses. Romans 8, towards the end of it, we memorized this partly earlier this year. Romans 8 is so glorious. As Jesus, Paul says to us that this is our God, the God that we confessed spared his own son. He spared not his own son, but gave Jesus up on the cross for us so that no matter what op opposition, whatever enemy that you or I face, we can say, but God sent his son Jesus for me. Therefore, he promises to be a shield. Remember, if God is for me, who can be against me? That's the shield that we have in Jesus. Who shall bring any charge against me, accusations that would make me damned and instead judged forever in hell? There's not one accusation because God is my advocate through Jesus Christ. He is my shield or he's my sufficiency. God didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us. Shall he not also with him graciously give us all things? Oh, whatever trial you have, fit Romans 8 into it. Feed upon Romans 8 in order that your heart could be nourished by the, this God that David confesses. He is a God that restores and works all things together for our good. If you're here watching this morning and you do not have a personal relationship with this God, I plead with you and I invite you to know this God. He is so good. He can be yours if you will confess that you are an enemy of God and you need to lay down your arms, lay down your efforts, your ways, confess your sins. And he is the God that turns enemies into his family because he sent his son Jesus on the cross. He sent his son to face all of these enemies and cry out to a refuge God who delivered him and rescued him and raised him from the dead. And if you today would call on him and ask him to save you, he will save you. He'll put his spirit in you, give you a new relationship, not only with him, but with all other Christians in a new way and will change everything in your life. Oh, I pray that you would do that if you haven't. So you see here, David goes from the enemies to God, but God, but you, O Lord, to the peace we enjoy. Look at verses 5 through 6. 
the peace we enjoy. I lay down and sleep. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. People that know me closely know that I'm not a very good sleeper. This is a really helpful psalm for my soul. It was a helpful psalm for me this week. I've learned from the psalm just this week. Somebody was telling me this week, Pastor, a lot of times people don't think of pastors as they're preparing their sermons that they'll come and say, Here's something new that I've learned. I'm not just bringing you things that I've already had packed in my heart and life for 30 years or 20 years. I am a needy, needy, growing, saved sinner growing in my faith, just like I hope you are. And this is a psalm. As he moves into these verses, he gives a testimony or an answered prayer already. He says, I lay down and slept. And I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people that set themselves against me round, all around. You see, those who look to God through Christ receive a type of deliverance in the midst of those trials. They're able to experience a type of peace in the midst of turmoil. In this, in this psalm, we have no reason to think that David is out of the jam. That we can, You can read about it in 2 Samuel 15 through 19. But David stays in the turmoil and the trouble with the enemies throughout this psalm. But he says, I have a peace. I went and I want to tell you about what God did for me. The God that I just confessed in verses 3 and 4, he gave me sleep. I'm sure David was crying out to God. He was praying. That was the type of man he was. I just wonder if David really asked for prayer for sleep. He probably didn't. He was probably asking for deliverance. He was probably asking for wisdom. He was probably asking for forgiveness. But of all the things, it's as though he's saying, he's saying, listen to me in the psalm. Me. I received sleep. Yeah, me. Of all things, sleep. In the midst of running for my life against my son, wondering if my kingdom will ever be restored. What is God doing? Feeling the accusations that were coming at me. They're, they're saying, there's no salvation for you, David. And he says, and I want to tell you what God did for me. I had a good night of sleep. I went, maybe set the tent by the river. All I meant, we were in mourning. The flag was at half mask, mast. And I laid down, put my head on that pillow, and the Lord was my pillow. And I fell asleep because the Lord sustained me. Well, there's a lot we could take from these verses. We can rejoice in that this is a God who does give peace in the midst of the storm. It's when Paul writes to the, Corinthian, uh, the Philippians and he says, Don't be anxious, but in everything, give it to God. Pray with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. David's enjoyment of a type of sleep and rest and peace and removal of fear is not because the enemy or the threat was removed. Brothers and sisters and friends, that's the way it can always, often be. The greatest first steps of joy in our lives will be not when what you've asked for God to do, God, take the sickness away, take this financial burden away, take this trial away. It's when he doesn't take it away and he gives us 
either sleep, which was a picture of peace and rest. Oh, what a gift that God gives us in this life. I wonder if that is what, I, I have no doubt that that's what Jesus had as he was going to the cross now. He had wrestled with God in the garden of Gethsemane, crying out great sweats of blood, but then he goes to the cross resolutely with zeal, going in obedience to the Father, knowing that God had given him this victory in the end. Oh, I pray that God would help us to be and enjoy this kind of peace, that we would live our lives seeking God, crying out to Him, and Him answering, and in the midst of all of the trials, saying, I'm at peace. I'm out of control. I, I have no control over the circumstances. i got to remember what Jesus told me in the Sermon on the Mount. I can add one hour of life by being anxious. I cannot do any of these things by being fearful and worrying. God has it. I trust him. And so he is able to say, I, am not, I do not need to be afraid of ten thousands of people that would come against me. There are stories of the martyrs of the faith in England and Scotland and Europe who died being burned to the stake. And the testimony was, they slept like a baby the night before. They went to the cross. They went to their cross. They went to their trial, saying, "I have a shield about me. I have a glory and the lifter of my head, who hears and answers my prayer." We can read about that in Acts twelve six through seven, where Peter is arrested. He's probably being put to death by Herod, and it says that. When the angel comes and rescues him in Acts chapter 12, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers. He's sleeping because God had given him rest. Jesus is sleeping in the boat, knowing the Father's got it, when there's a storm raging. And he looks at the disciples, calms the storm, and says, Oh, you of little faith, I'm in control. I am absolutely in control. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in God. He is like a tree planted by water who does not fear when the heat comes. So not only do we see this, this peace that he enjoys, but lastly, do you see the salvation that we should expect or he expects? Look at verses 7 through 8. Arise, O Lord, here's a prayer. Save me, O my God. For you will strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. David cries out here. He says, arise, O God. They're arising against me, but if you arise against them, that's all that matters. Arise, O God. Save me, O my God. And he knows with confidence. We find in this last stanza, it's really an expectation and confidence that no matter what God is going to do and deliver, what he deems best and perfect and wise, and I trust him, and he cries out to God with that kind of prayer. And so must we. Oh, I, whatever circumstances, whatever foe or difficulty or trial, cry unto the Lord. If he is your saving God, know that there is no salvation. There's no salvation from COVID. 
There's no salvation for political unrest. There is no salvation for your body or for your heart or for your life. Apart from Jesus Christ, salvation belongs to our God, not in yourself or a doctor or in money or anything else. This is the great hope that David had, and this is the hope that you and I must have. This is what we have, and that's why we can rejoice, we can be zealous, we can be confident, we can pray, and we can delight, and we can sing in the midst of a pandemic because we know that God is going to work, and we expect that He will. I read this this week. It was a beautiful statement by Mark Dever. As a Christian, you have no reason to be finally discouraged. Because you see, you will outlast every trouble you will face. Isn't that a beautiful thought? <laughs> Say that again. As a Christian, you have no reason to be finally discouraged. You might be temporarily discouraged, and you've got to work yourself out of that and cry out to God, but you have no reason to be finally discouraged because you will outlast every trouble that you face. Someday he will wipe all of those tears away, all of the pains, and make everything worth it because he's my shield. He's my glory. He's the lifter of my head. He's the one that hears my cry and rescues and saves all those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, David is a great sinner, but he has a much greater Savior. David knew that his sin took him further than he ever wanted to go and kept him longer than he ever wanted it to be. And he cost more than he ever expected. But he had a Savior God and shepherd that he ran to and God was his refuge. You can read in chapter 19 that God delivers David and restores him in his kingship. I just want to conclude with these applications. They're from the four points. So when we face... I, I learned from this psalm, among many other things, that when we go through trials, one, acknowledge the opposition in trial. Acknowledge it. Cry it's, it's, God, it's there. It's painful. It's difficult. I'm being attacked. That's what he does. Take them to God. Take your pains to God today. Number two, turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn, do what David did. But you, O oh Lord, you are this. Use Romans 8. Use the New Testament. Use the Psalms. But you are this, God. You promised to be this. i got to fix my mind and turn my eyes to Jesus. I need to surrender control. There are some of you, myself included, that I fear, am overwhelmed, and I don't sleep at night because I think that I am, could be in control of anything. I'm not in control of this body, ultimately, over my health, neither are you you I am not control over the things in our lives ultimately God is and David surrendered control and God gave him sleep as he confidently prayed knowing that God is the saving God oh may God help us may God work in us oh if you are here listening right now I would I pray that you know and have a relationship with this type of God. And if you don't, please reach out. Reach out to us, and we want to help you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God can help you overcome. He does. He's the only one that will help you overcome your sin and bring you salvation. Let's pray. Father, 
have mercy on us like you did David. We praise you for your mercy. I pray that you will work in us as a church and as a people, and me as a pastor. You help us to run after you with all our heart, and feed upon your word, and cling to you, and confess our sins to you, confess our, our pains to you, and, and come to know you as the sleep-giving, peace-giving, salvation-giving God in all things. God, I pray that you would help us as we face this pandemic, face decisions, face trials. I pray that you would help us to love and rejoice with one another and grieve with one another. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are about to be done, and I want to give the benediction. Before I do that, I want to remind you of a few things. Uh, we're not meeting this week, but we are. We can still connect through phone calls and through texting and through other forms of communication. And I challenge you to do that. Would you? Here's my exhortation and call to you as a congregation. Would you pray for each other? Would you pray for those that are sick and pray for those who are healthy? Would you pray and would you also ask for prayer? you ask someone else for prayer? If you're discouraged, if you're in need, would you ask somebody for prayer? Would you keep giving? Give to the church financially. Give to one another who are in need. Give of your time and your energy, even if it's reaching out and calling them. And friends, remember what we learned a couple weeks ago. I hope we've learned it a lot before that, but we learned that in our study in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man, blessed is the person, oh, the blessedness of those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his day, His word day and night. There, let us be feeding upon God's word. Psalm 3 is a great place to feed this week. And there's another place, Psalm 79.9. So that's our fighter verse this week, Psalm 79.9. Let me read this, give the benediction, and we're done. Help us. O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. What a great psalm. Psalm 79.9, help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, deliver us and atone for our sins. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord cause his face to shine on you. May he help you. May he be the God of your salvation. May he be the glory that lifts up our heads. And may we long for his glory than anything. And may he be our deliverer, the only deliverer. And may, he, may we rejoice in that he is the one that atones for us as sinners so we can stand boldly before him by his grace. And I would love to say this, and God's people said, Amen. Thank you.